0: Uh, please turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Corinthians 13. and uh, I'd like to uh, read the chapter and then uh, we'll have a word of prayer. 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for uh, your goodness and grace and thank you for your love uh, demonstrated to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, Thank you also for Uh, your love poured out in our hearts uh, by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And uh, thank you for your word that comes to us by uh, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Thank you that it is uh, your word written, and uh, although uh, it comes to us, uh, in various versions and in various translations, Father, we thank you uh, that uh, in the original tongues it uh, comes to us directly as uh, your uh, inspired and infallible word. And we're uh, grateful uh, that this is the case. And so now as we uh, continue our uh, study in 1 Corinthians 13, we pray that you'll uh, be pleased to bless and uh, strengthen us, give us your grace uh, so that we might better understand Your Word and live by it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, there is an outline in the back there if uh, uh, you're interested in it and haven't uh, picked it up. First uh, Corinthians 13, as uh, we've uh, observed earlier, uh Uh, comes uh, not only in the middle of uh, chapters 12 through 14, but uh, it's part of this uh, larger section. And uh, uh, a question that uh, uh, lies behind uh, this uh, section, uh, I've given to you uh, in the outline uh, there, what is the best evidence for the presence of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer? And uh, so this is the question with which uh, we're wrestling. And uh, it's it's a question that's kind of in the background in uh, chapters 12 uh, through 14. If you look again at uh, chapter 12 and verse 1, uh, the section begins now conspira- uh, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers or Uh, It may uh, be translated, now concerning things that are spiritual or spiritual things. And uh, so the Apostle is is starting out now uh, on a discussion of uh, spiritual matters. And uh, the first spiritual matter that he discusses is the uh, confession uh, uh, that we have in Christ. That no one will confess that Jesus is Lord except uh, by the Holy Spirit. And uh, uh, you, you can see then at the end of chapter 12, uh, in verse 30, you have uh, this statement, "...do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak uh, with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire higher gifts?" Uh, this uh, sense that you're supposed to desire and go after uh, certain gifts. And then you have a similar statement at the beginning of chapter 14. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And so, 1 Corinthians 13 is sandwiched in between these statements. And this gives us an indication that what 1 Corinthians 13 is is a little interlude to where uh, uh, Paul uh, speaks more specifically about love, and then he goes back to his discussion of spiritual gifts And at the beginning of uh, chapter 14. And uh, I've called this the interlude of love. And of course, this is the chapter that we uh, frequently uh, go to. In uh, chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, uh, Paul gives us... Uh, the priority of love, uh, uh, which we've just read. If I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love. So he goes into this uh, comparison. He wants to uh, lay out the priority of love. And now, uh, when we come to uh, chapter 13, verses 4 through 7, uh, the Apostle gives us a description of love. Uh, so the whole chapter... Uh, Uh, the interlude of love, Uh, the first verses, the first paragraph in the chapter, the priority of love, and now we have a description of love. And we say this is a a description because if you looked at at the first verses, love is patient and kind. Uh, uh, What do we have here? Uh, We have little uh, uh, sentences and... Uh, We have predicate adjectives. We have adjectives that describe love. Love is kind. Love is patient, etc., etc. And uh, so this uh, paragraph gives us a description of love. And it's this description of love that we want to uh, uh, probe uh, a little bit more this morning. And uh, as I say at the end of the outline... Uh, since this is a uh, description of love, what we're going to need to do uh, in the end uh, after we work through this description a little bit, uh, what we're going to need to do is, is look at a definition of love. Uh, it's kind of interesting. Some of the uh, folks when they approach this passage of Scripture say, well, uh, Paul is giving us here a definition of love. No, not really. Really? It's a description. We have to look elsewhere for a definition of love. And we're going to need to do that. And so next time, uh, what we're going to do is uh, uh, put together this description that uh, we're going to look at and uh, the definition of love. Uh, So uh, here we have this uh, uh, description of love in uh, verses 4 and following. In other words, we're... uh, uh, basically, uh, answering the question, how does love act? How does love act? And uh, Paul answers uh, the question, love is patient. Uh, this is good, isn't it? <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, you and I uh, have often been impatient in uh, various uh, uh, circumstances and various uh, situations. Uh, but keep your finger there and uh, uh, go back to uh, James, uh, the little book of James and uh, chapter 1 and uh, verses uh, 2, 3, and 4 and uh, you you see how important uh, this idea of patience is. In the uh, English Standard Version, it's not Uh, translated uh, patience, but it's the same uh, word, it's the same idea. Uh, uh, James chapter 1, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or patience. When you encounter uh, various trials, when you uh, are pressed, Uh, in life, Uh, uh, what are we to do? We're to exercise patience in those uh, circumstances. This is what uh, James is telling us. Uh, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials, uh, for you know the testing of your faith produces patience or steadfastness. Or perseverance. If you persevere, you have to be patient in a circumstance. And let patience... This is how the King James uh, Version uh, reads. Uh, To me, it's very striking. And let patience have its perfect work. Or let patience, as it says in the English Standard Version, have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete... Lacking nothing. Let patience play out in your life so that uh, the test or the trial has the effect uh, that it's to have in your life and you are brought uh, to more maturity. See, this is the idea. Let patience have its perfect work. And love is patient. Those of us who are older and uh, have had experience with our children, not trying to point any fingers, uh, we know uh, what the impatience is that wells up in our hearts uh, when the little ones uh, continually carry out various activities and will not cease. And uh, I remember my middle daughter would often get impatient with her mother and father. Her father being a pastor and her mother being a college professor, she would ask a question and then she would say to us, Now don't give me your teacher voice. And don't give me your preacher voice. (laughs) The interplay there. Love is patient. This is the description that the Apostle gives us. And then the second thing the Apostle says in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is kind. Love is kind. Uh, And uh, a way to understand this is is that love functions in a merciful and helpful manner. When uh, you're approached by someone else, and uh, uh, that other person may be a little bit abrupt with you, What is the proper response? Not to be abrupt with them, not to answer in kind, a different use of the same word, but to be kind and generous and to be helpful in the circumstance. You don't know the situation they're coming from uh, as they've uh, met you uh, in the church hallway and uh, the circumstance they're coming from at home. And uh, so you have to be patient and kind and generous uh, with them. And then uh, uh, James or uh, Paul goes on and says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy, or love is not jealous. This is the actual term, and this is the way it's put in the King James Version. Love is not jealous, or love is not envious. Another way that you could put it would be this. Love does not covet. This is the same idea that we have in the 10th commandment. Uh, You shall not covet. And uh, as the 10th commandment is uh, translated into the Greek language in the Old Testament, uh, from Hebrew to Greek, uh, 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 this is the term that's used in the 10th commandment. Uh, You shall not covet, or you shall not be jealous. Uh, you don't look at your neighbor and desire, as the Tenth Commandment says, uh, their uh, husband or wife, their house or their car, their job or their salary, their clothes, or uh, as uh, one of the commercials Uh, lately on television uh, says, you never have enough shoes. Uh, I have plenty of shoes and I think there are plenty of shoes in our closet at home. Uh, You shall not covet. And of course, uh, uh, the after holiday sales are designed to uh, cause you to desire uh, certain things. And uh, so this is the idea. Love does not uh, covet or does not envy or is not jealous. And uh, of course the obverse of the uh, uh, tenth commandment uh, would be this: Love is always content. You're always content in the circumstance and in the situation in which you find yourself. And, uh, of course, this is one of the things that uh, Paul uh, observes uh, about his own life, about learning uh, contentment in every uh, circumstance. And, uh, of course, this is what uh, you and I have to do. And so we have to be careful about looking at others and uh, uh, thinking about uh, the grass being greener uh, on the other side of the fence as it's uh, sometimes uh, said. Uh, James chapter 4 and uh, uh, verse 2, uh, you, you have uh, the same idea. Uh, uh, well, let's read verses uh, 1 and 2 in James 4. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this? that your passions are at war within you. You desire and do not have. You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet, see, there's the idea, you covet and cannot obtain, and so you fight and quarrel. You shall not covet. You are to be content. Love. does not covet. Love has a certain contentment that that resides with it. And this is what uh, the Apostle is getting at. So, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. And uh, uh, since I don't have a, a Scripture reference uh, with this idea in the outline, uh, it's uh, showing that this is the only place where the uh, uh, term, this particular term, is used in the New Testament. Uh, so, uh, love does not brag. See? What does a bragger do? Points to himself or herself. See? And uh, one of the commentators says, uh, You shall not act as a windbag. <laughs> Uh, which I thought was a a pretty apt uh, description. Someone that's always inflated and has an inflated view of themselves and is always talking, not just always talking, but always talking about themselves and always pointing to themselves. And it's very striking, isn't it, that... uh, uh, when you meet people, uh, especially when you meet people for the first time, uh, uh, to begin to ask them about themselves, about them, about their work, about their family. And uh, if you learn uh, about an illness, you ask uh, about uh, how things are going with the illness. And usually you get the response, well, thank you for asking. Thank you for asking. And uh, I think often that's, that response is striking because it's an indication uh, given by people that uh, the question is not often asked of them, uh, you see. And uh, uh, that's an indication on the part of those who are querying or speaking of a lack of love. The emphasis too much on self rather than on uh, the other person. Uh, So don't be a windbag. Uh, I need to remember that uh, myself. Uh, And then Paul goes on. Uh, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant. It is not arrogant. This is another one where the idea of being puffed up comes into view. And we all know people who are puffed up and their nose is in the air. In his sermons on the first chapters of the book of Acts, Uh, Calvin uh, makes this statement uh, with regard to uh, the Pharisees. Uh, He says, Never trust anyone who walks around with his nose in the air. (laughs) And uh, I thought that was a a pretty stark uh, picture. Uh, And uh, of course, Calvin was speaking... Uh, about the the, uh, the Pharisees there, uh, the same idea is given to us earlier in in First uh, Corinthians, uh, chapter four, uh, chapter four, and verse six. Uh first Corinthians four six I have applied all things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to be go, go beyond uh, what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against the other. I am of Paul I am of Apollos. I'm a little amused at uh, folks in uh, uh, reform circles. See, I'll, I'll zero in on uh, reform circles here uh, uh, with the idea of uh, Christian apologetics. I am of Van Til. No, I am of Sproll. No, I am of Gerstner. See? <laughs> this, is, uh, this is the idea. And you hear this kind of, of thing. And I want to say, okay, all right, uh, I get it, uh, but uh, let's not be puffed up and uh, pat ourselves on the back because we're of a particular stripe, uh, you see. And uh, uh, we we ought to be more concerned about being of Christ. And uh, this, it seems, is the uh, posture of the Apostle Paul, love is not puffed up in this regard. Love is not arrogant. Uh, well, I go to the Reformed Presbyterian Church. Uh, it reminds me of a circumstance years ago in a, uh, another Sabbath school class in a Reformed Presbyterian Church where uh, a dear fellow whom, uh, who is, I know uh, and am quite confident, is with the Lord now who said in the Sabbath school class, and we were talking about worship, and he said, well, uh, we in the Reformed Presbyterian Church have it right. And uh, the, the, the emphasis being, we're right, we have it right, because we sing the Psalms. And I thought to myself, be careful, be careful, because you can verge on patting yourself on the back because of what you do and puff yourself up in this regard and think wrongly that you gain points with God in this regard. Not so. so we have to be careful. Love is not arrogant, is not puffed up, is not proud. Uh, Chapter 8 in 1 Corinthians. uh, Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Uh, be careful again. Uh, uh, all of us need to be uh, careful in this regard, and uh, we, we need to remember: uh, just because we know certain things, uh, does not uh, make us better. Uh, I continually uh, reminded myself uh, when uh, uh, I was teaching at uh, RPTS, Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary, that. Oh, yeah, I'm a seminary professor. This is good. Okay, be careful, Denny. Uh, Yeah, you're a seminary professor, but remember, you're a seminary professor in what is probably one of the smallest seminaries in the United States of America and, for that matter, in the world. (laughs) So, uh, take care. How you... Uh, understand these things, uh, you see. And uh, th- this is what uh, Paul is uh, talking about. Knowledge puffs up. See? Love, love, uh, a- as he says it, builds up. In other words, knowledge centers on self. What does love do? Love is others oriented. And uh, this is what you and I uh, need to remember. Uh, Back to uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Uh, This this is how the uh, English Standard uh, Version reads. And... Uh, The idea here is that love does not act shamefully. Love uh, does not defy moral standards. Now, as I think about this, uh, one of the difficulties that you and I uh, encounter uh, would be this. That, uh, churches, different churches, for example, have, uh, different, uh, traditions. And, uh, uh, this congregation has, uh, local traditions. Okay. And, uh, uh I remember preaching in, uh, First Reformed Presbyterian Church in Penn Hills in, in, uh, Penn, uh Pittsburgh. And uh, in that church, uh, which was a PCA church, and still is a PCA church, uh, uh, the the tradition was that uh, people often sat in the same place. Now, that doesn't occur here. (laughs) Uh, And and to transgress that uh, tradition... uh, uh, may be rude in one sense, uh, but it's not rude in a moral sense. And uh, I would draw a little distinction there, uh, you see. Uh, so you, you could carry it over into that uh, area, and and uh, uh, this uh, holiday season when our family was here, uh, they were very scrupulous about asking the question, where should we sit? in the congregation because we don't want to uh, take someone else's seat. And we were saying, oh, don't worry about it. But th- they were concerned about this because uh, uh, from this perspective, uh, they didn't want to be rude. Uh, the, uh, uh, the idea in the text is, is a little bit different uh, because moral standards are uh, in view here. Uh, uh, more uh, specifically, and uh, a place where that uh, this idea is used is in first uh, corinthians seven thirty six chapter seven and verse thirty six and you'll you'll uh, uh, remember this text. If anyone thinks he has not behaved properly, toward his betrothed. has acted in a way which is rude or morally suspect. See? That's the idea. And uh, this is another place where uh, the concept is utilized. So, uh, 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 the point would be love does not go there Uh, Another place uh, in applying this uh, would be with the commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Uh, The idea of not speaking the truth in love and uh, speaking untruthfully about your neighbor And being rude. See, this would be the idea. Uh, Years ago, uh, I've used this illustration several times, and so uh, uh, you may have heard me use it. Uh, Years ago in Colorado Springs when we were uh, driving and uh, we were uh, up at uh, Horn Creek at the campgrounds in uh, uh, Colorado in Westcliff. We came up behind a car with a bumper sticker that said, what would happen if everyone told the truth? And almost spontaneously, (laughs) I turned to my wife and said, the entire political establishment in Washington, D.C. would dissolve instantaneously. We're so accustomed to speaking rudely and improperly and pejoratively. And in our uh, society and in our culture, we're so prone to use vulgarity. Uh, It's astounding. And of course, on television, you always hear the beep, bleep, 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 bleep where they're bleeping out these these uh, vulgar uh, terms, uh, but this is the idea: transgressing moral gr- uh, bounds, and uh, love does not do this. And uh, so we have to, all of us, I think, uh, have to be careful. So, uh, love is patient and kind. Love does not. Uh, uh, Envy or boast is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. Love does not insist on its own way. When I came to uh, my first uh, pastorate out of the uh, military chaplaincy, Uh, in the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, it really frustrated me how the bulletin was being done. (laughs) And I laugh now (laughs) about this. And uh, uh, because it wasn't being done my way, I requested that I do the bulletin and it be taken away from the lady who was graciously utilizing her time uh, to do the bulletin. Big mistake on my part. Uh, Because it was not only uh, a lack of a manifestation of love on my part, uh, but the action caused No little offense. Love does not insist on its own way. And we always have to look at circumstances and situations and acknowledge the fact that other individuals may get the job done, but they may do it in a little bit different way in which we would... Uh, do the job and that's okay that's all right as long as the job gets done and not insisting that it be done in exactly the way you would have it done Uh, of course if you have military experience uh, like I have you come out of a circumstance where uh, you want everything done In a precise manner and in a precise way. And any deviation from that course, uh, you see, uh, would, uh, you'd take offense to that. See? But love does not demand its own way. And uh, you and I uh, uh, must understand this is the case. And uh, one individual will lead a class in a different way uh, than you will and another individual will, will lead a class in a way quite different than i will and uh, each of us must understand that this is the case first uh, corinthians, uh, corinthians chapter 10 first corinthians chapter 10 verse 24 Uh, Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. See, This is the idea in the text in uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, Seeking uh, that which is good for yourself rather than seeking that which is good for the other person. And uh, that which is good for you may be... uh, Uh, starkly different than that which is good uh, for uh, the other person. Uh, And uh, in in this context, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, Paul is talking about uh, eating different foods. And uh, (laughs) a a, a lot of examples here that... that, uh, We could go to, but the one uh, that strikes me is that uh, uh, our youngest daughter uh, comes to the house and uh, uses the Vitamix right away and uh, works up a green smoothie and uh, offers it to her father. (laughs) Why are you laughing? (laughs) And then my wife that says to me, but it's really good, Denny, it's really good. And I tasted it and it was good. Uh, But I passed. But I passed. Uh, Different uh, uh, strokes for different folks. And uh, we do not insist on our own way. Uh, And... Uh, this is what Paul is after. And again, the idea is being others-oriented. Uh, then uh, back to First Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude, does not insist on its own way, is not irritable. Is not irritable or is not provoked, is not irritated. Uh, Love uh, doesn't have the posture that even if someone uh, comes to you and needles you, you don't know anyone like this, I'm sure, and needles you, you don't get provoked. You brush it off. I'm reminded of of my middle daughter again. My middle daughter, when she was in college, was asked by her college friends, How do you get a theological discussion started in our household, in your household? That's in in the Prudhoe house. She said, Just come to our dinner table. Sit at our dinner. Put your feet under our table. And uh, our daughter was the chief instigator. And invariably, if I would take a position in the Sabbath school class or in a sermon, she would take the opposite position at the dinner table and seek to argue the opposite position. And... uh, I would just have to say, calm down, Denny. <laughs> See? Uh, don't be provoked. See? Don't be provoked. And uh, don't get irritated. See? And uh, some folks will, uh, when they learn uh, that they can needle you and they can irritate you, will do it on purpose. Uh, that's all right. Uh, uh, let them go ahead, but don't succumb to the temptation, say uh, and uh, th- this would be the idea don't get angry. And uh, then uh, the, the, the next piece is not irritable or resentful. Uh, this is a very interesting uh, piece uh, to what Paul has to say here. The English standard version, uh, says, uh, uses the term uh, resentful. Uh, other versions translate it like this does not take into account a wrong, does not keep a record of wrongs. So to be resentful means that you always have in reserve in your memory, uh, other things that the person has done and you, you begin to resent them. And you, you, you have a record of wrongs. You keep a record of wrongs. Uh, this is a profound error. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. And of course, once again, those of us who are parents understand this. Especially. And children need to understand this with regard to their parents. See, forgiveness, forgiveness means setting things aside and never again bringing them up to use them against a person. This is what God's forgiveness means with regard to you. That you'll never again, that God will, if He forgives you, He'll never again bring up your sin and use it against you. What a wonderful thing that is. You are forgiven. And when you forgive someone, you make a promise that you'll never bring up that circumstance again and use it against them. And you'll never conjure it up in your mind and think to yourself, "Uh uh-huh, there you go again. Uh-huh. No. Love does not act uh, in this way. Uh, and, and then uh, the apostle, uh, uh, moving on here a little more quickly, uh, wraps up uh, this section. Uh, Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. You're not glad when someone sins. This is how the unbelieving world acts. The unbelieving world wants people to join uh, them in their sin. And when uh, they can get other people to join them in their sin, they rejoice in uh, getting others to uh, join them in that sin. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, does not rejoice in wickedness, but rejoices in the truth. And when people embrace the truth, uh, there should be joy in our hearts uh, that this uh, is the case. And then finally, uh, at the end of uh, this paragraph. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And uh, Gordon Fee, in his commentary on uh, First Corinthians, uh, on this text says, Love never ceases to trust God and thus leave justice in God's hand. In other words, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things with a view to who God is. And the text I think of here is Romans 8.28. God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purposes. So every circumstance of life provides us an opportunity to bear all things. Thinking of who God is. To believe in God in every circumstance. To, To have hope in our heart with regard to all things. And to endure all things because all things work together for good for you and for me, this is the posture of love, you see. Okay, uh, uh, next time uh, I'll uh, uh, seek to, to uh, give us some time for a Q&A. And uh, what I want to do is I want to uh, put this uh, description of love alongside of uh, the definition of love and uh, see how uh, the two mesh. And uh, we've done just a little bit of that uh, this morning, uh, but I want to uh, carry this a step further and uh, see how these uh, things mesh and incorporate in this uh, the uh, idea of the power of love so that we have uh, the description of love, the definition of love, and the power of love uh, that... Uh, are knit together so that these are not simply concepts uh, that we understand, but uh, become a life uh, that you and I uh, are able to live before God. And uh, this is what becomes important. Uh, let's have a word of prayer. Uh, Lord, thanks for uh, this short time together. Bless uh, now, we pray, uh, our understanding of your word. Give us grace. Uh, in that uh, we are to live uh, a life of love, and we pray that uh, You'll give us uh, the power and the grace to do so. Uh, Bless us to this end, we ask in the good name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen.